0: Hey everyone, welcome to Hit The Apex Podcast, it's Jawad here as always, thank you for joining me on this last episode of the season, it's the season review of course for Formula 1, what a season we've had with 22 races, we were going to have 24 but there, there were two that were cut at the end of the day, it being China and Imola. Imola, due to flooding and China, um, need I say more? Uh, hopefully, next year they will be back on the calendar. I'm not sure what the situation is like there, but regardless, let's get into it. And those who've listened to the show before know that my um, end of year reviews are kind of done um, off script and no real sort of dot points or anything like that to go off, just you know, some stats and other little bits of reference rather it's just me having a you know a loose chat about the season that has been not that you know my other episodes are not and whatnot but um yeah um also for anyone wondering if I'll do a supercars review um I feel like I've talked enough supercars this year there's nothing more that I really have to add than what I've already shared um, this season, so I'm just going to leave it as it is, but with F1, of course, because, you know, I've always, uh, pride myself on being F1 first, uh, it was an incredible year for, for Max Verstappen and for Red Bull Racing. Um, I think I've run out of superlatives or went through every superlative I could this year describing his performance. I mean, just looking at the kind of crushing season I had, I had, yeah, I wish I'd be in the same boat as um, Verstappen maybe in the F1 game with all the assists turned on and difficulty right down the bottom, I'd be as close. But given that last year... um, Given that last year he won fifteen races and took the record for most se- most wins in a single season, this year he eclipsed that and went on to win nineteen out of twenty two races, nineteen out of twenty two races, a thousand laps led in a single season, which has never been done before by an individual driver um, most drivers, you know most of the greats when you look at a Schumacher or or Hamilton have done that. Um, you know th- over multiple seasons through their career, but not through a single season um as well as going on a run of ten consecutive wins, you know, beating that old record of Seb Vettel's from twenty thirteen um as well as securing a the greatest ever points margin between first and second, which was two hundred and ninety. I think last year he beat that um. Uh, Vettel record from 2013 or 2011 it was and now you know he's almost doubled that with 290 over teammate Sergio Perez but for for Red Bull as well to win you know 21 out of 22 races which is the same as what McLaren did back in 88 winning uh, 15 out of 16 in that season and then also what do you say as well about them securing their first ever one-two in the championship between Verstappen and Perez and I'm, I'm quite surprised that going back to 20 you know the 2010s when you had Vettel and Weber together that they had never achieved that even in 2011 and 2013 but you know here we are Red Bull have finally done that Um and another constructors championship to add to their tally. So, what's more that what's more? What more can I say really about Verstappen this season other than how good he's been? And you know, for those who want to say that it was down to the how clever the RB nineteen was, how dominant a car it was. I mean, if it was all the car, then how does one explain? the anomaly that was Perez. You know, he he won two of the first opening races and then kind of faded into the infamy of 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 speculation as to whether he'd retain his seat next year or not or even if he'd see out this season despite having that contract there to the end of 24. Um yeah, and for Perez, I guess it was just quite bleak uh seeing him, you know, the first half of the season slump to uh, six straight qualies where he didn't make it to q3 he appeared on the podium only twice after the mid-season and you know for me his year is kind of epitomized by the first lap at his home race in mexico the opening lap on the first corner where he makes this over ambitious move to to take the lead and ends up crashing out took um you know not quite taking Charles Leclerc out, but you know, damaging his car. But Leclerc ended up on the podium, um, and all to the ire of the the home fans who did boo Leclerc afterwards on the podium, which was uncalled for. But you know, for me, Perez, he'll never be an elite driver. You know, he'll never be in the elite like a Verstappen or a Hamilton or, you know, Alonso. Those kind, and that's really sad to to you know, put someone into that category. But we've seen it, you know, with the likes of Barrichello and and Valtteri Bottas, even Mark Webber as well, uh, are all in that category. Like the jury's out on Ricardo, I guess as well. I mean, if he ever gets back to Red Bull, if it's next year or the year after, he's probably going to end up in that same position as as um, Checo is currently, and, you know, the fact that Ricardo's lost time is seemingly having left Red Bull in 2018, um, and, you know, he's only getting older, like, not everyone's Alonso where they can be in their 40s and in their prime, and Hamilton, too, arguably, with one of his best seasons, even though he didn't win this year, uh, 38, um, I don't think, you know, we're gonna see anyone really take it to Verstappen at this point at Red Bull so you know that's where I feel like Red Bull have really got to be clear with their um, expectations and objectives for Checo and for for Checo to have the expectations set clear that you know we just want you to be best to the rest we want you to be second as much as you can or you know every other race uh, unless max makes a mistake where you know you can win and we saw that in the first five races really i guess miami kind of being the outlier because max just put on a master class and and pulled checo's pants down that weekend but you know in in baku and in saudi when he took the wins um pole from pole as well in in saudi yeah you know it was great to see but then what we see or what we saw at the end of the season is really a driver kind of you know a shadow of his former self and it would have been I guess there would have been um knives out if he had lost second in the championship to Hamilton which he didn't do thankfully and um you know there was a sizable gap between them at the end of the day but the fact that you know we we got to we got to Mexico, I think, or to Sao Paulo, and, um, you know, the the points were still on offer for Hamilton to potentially take that, but no, he put in a good drive in, in Brazil, and then again in Vegas the week after, and I feel like, you know, Checo has earned a reprieve for next year, but it's what kind of mentality does he come with next year and also what expectations are there because you know anyone looking from the outside in can easily say that yeah this is this is Verstappen's um you know it's it it gravitates around him this is his world this is his team um if if anything the threat is going to come from the outside, um, from the likes of a Mercedes or a Ferrari or McLaren, Aston Martin, whoever. So, yeah, it's it was disappointing to see him end up where he did, but at the end of the day, it's about setting the expectations straight. And, you know, Valtteri Bottas as well, it was sad eventually him having to succumb to that, but, you know, it kind of made him all the more crucial in, in 2021, say, when you had this titanic battle between two teams between uh, mercedes and and red bull and you know the the second drivers do do end up having an impact in terms of the the points as well so and also for the for the lead drivers strategically um which ferrari seem to not be able to get a hold of anyway so what else do you say about them really i mean great year for for red bull adrian newey christian horner doing their thing i guess helmet marco made some headlines as well as he always does but it's all kind of elementary given that you know they're still the best team in the sport and you know on performance they've got nothing to really um nothing to really complain about and also who like you look back now and the the penalty that they got for breaching the cost cap in 21 what impact has that had too so you know depending on where they start the season next year if you like there should be more questions asked about you know whether that penalty was really valid and you know are Red Bull just that clever which yes they are quite clever to to nullify it with their development but you know from from whispers you hear that you know Adrian Newey's like well you know with the evolution of the RB19, there's still quite a sizable gap. Um to come next year between them and the rest of competition, so does that mean we're not going to see anyone but Red Bull win the championship now until 2026 when the regulations change, but then again we've come off eight years of Mercedes uh, effectively having a stranglehold of the Constructors' Championship as well. Um, and speaking of Mercedes, they may have finished a distant second behind Red Bull and Verstappen, but you've got to say they've kind of dodged a bullet in terms of being spared embarrassment of finishing third again or fourth in the Constructors' Championship by Ferrari, who, Ferrari on paper, had the better car, I feel. But it's their poor reliability, their their lacking of the operational sharpness, like we talk about, that I think has really got them um, down. And I guess for new team boss Fred Vasseur as well, he has the fact that you know they were able to win a race this year and you know that's a blemish that Toto Wolff unfortunately has to deal with because Mercedes didn't win a race uh Carlos signs with an excellent excellent win in May not Mexico sorry in Singapore I think you know that was definitely one of my races of the year or highlights as as I said on the um grid talk sh- season review um, the Carlando 1-2 with Lando Norris, of course, in the McLaren coming home second, and who would have thought that I would have, would have said that, you know, a Ferrari winning would be uh, my favourite moment of the year, but it was more so to do with the fact that those two were on the podium together in a 1-2 finish, but yeah, you know, you go back to Bahrain, Leclerc in a great spot doing a good job ends up retiring from the race signs has been a bit inconsistent but has found his groove did find his groove coming out of the mid-season break he had the podium at Monza after pole position and then pole position again in Singapore and the win there and he was just you know really really you know it was a tactical masterclass from him, Leclerc, still arguably one of the quickest drivers out there, but, you know, his five pole positions don't really mean anything if, you know, somebody else is winning those races uh, from his pole positions rather than him, Um, but the way he ended the season with a couple of podiums, Vegas was great, uh, and then Abu Dhabi as well coming home in second, I feel like, you know, he is still going to be the main man for Ferrari, and rumor has it that he signed this mega deal now. That'll see him t- there till the end of twenty twenty eight. You know that's that's loyalty. If I've ever seen any, um, don't think I've seen. You know, I don't think we've seen. You know, Hamilton and I talk a lot about Hamilton and the loyalty he has with, you know, the brands that he's associated with and with with Mercedes in particular. uh, ever put pen to paper on a deal that long so you know whether there's an element of risk in there too for Leclerc as well committing to Ferrari who's yet to show that they they can be bona fide championship contenders I mean I know they were in the hunt last year but it all fell away quite quickly so whether they can actually sustain a challenge you know right till the end of a season and then we can properly judge them rather than how we saw even in the, the latter years of Sebastian Vettel's tenure there where they'll be up there they'll be leading the championship until the midway point of the season and then then in a couple of races it all falls apart for them and you know that's just not how you do it basically you know so rather than keep talking about the disappointment of Ferrari you know I guess they had the win and some podiums uh, and ultimately they weren't going to beat Red Bull we just need to look forward to them kind of working on themselves to improve these key areas because again, you know, it's it's those areas that are letting them down, and then it's those areas that for Mercedes have have meant that they finished second and also Hamilton to finish third in the drivers' championship as well. You know, the car deficiencies I talked about it last time where they made a mistake. They made a mistake, you know, to um stay down this path or keep going down this path of the zero side pods concept, I mean, yes, a win's a win, which they got in Brazil last year with George Russell and much was made of that, but it shouldn't dictate, you know, it shouldn't have dictated the the overall focus for the new year and the new car concept or like deciding whether they should stay with that old concept or move to a new one i mean i'm no engineer but brazil is not really a circuit that's reflective of other tracks that they go to throughout the season and i know we do go to varied circuits now all over the world but you know you look at tracks like barcelona and silverstone hungary they're kind of the key ones that um, teams test on. You know, Barcelona being the main one, and, and Bahrain. Um, they're kind of the main tracks that people test on. Um, we do the preseason testing there and everything. You know, if you've got a good car for Barcelona or a strong car for Barcelona or Bahrain, then you're guaranteed to to have a strong car at most other tracks. So I don't understand why they would have taken that little little nugget that little full storm that they got from winning uh, maybe it was all George who was like this is the best car I've ever driven totally totally something Russell would say in my opinion but that's just me um and then yeah to then get to Barcelona this year uh fourth or fifth round of the championship I'm sorry excuse me it was round seven this year that's how late in the year that Barcelona was that's how normal normally it's like round four but now we've got all these other street races in between um yeah getting to the to round seven and then introducing a whole new sidepod concept um and bringing James Allison back into the technical director role moving Mike Elliott across to the the overall kind of um technical chief technical officer role and you know he since then has now left mercedes too so you know it's it's a whole tricky one and like whether they can now throw that w14 in the bin or on the scrap heap wherever the w13 is and who would have thought that the w14 would be worse than what they had last year um it just remains to be seen what they do for next year and even though the car this year has been worse than what they had last year for hamilton to finish where he did in 3rd better than where he finished last year relying on the sheer consistency of his six podiums and it would have been seven if it wasn't for the the disqualification in austin for the um plank infringement i think you know they he still has it to he still has what it takes to be a title contending force and that's different to what I said last year I guess midway through when I was like oh I think Hamilton spent obviously after 21 the mental energy and the the, what it would have taken away from him um, that year I think yeah you know given given a good car, a good enough car, I feel like he could be up there with Verstappen, and and as with Leclerc as well, it would be good to see if we could have that three-way title fight soon, and you know, they've also re-signed both their drivers for another two years, so to the end of 2025, it does take them kind of off the market for when the big changes happen at the end of 24. Um, it'll be a big year next year for, for the silly season, for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it was a good, decent year. If I won't say good, but decent year for Mercedes on paper. But they certainly are expecting a lot more from the future. So we'll see. And yeah, I guess the only blemish that they really had was Hamilton's first corner, Uh, in Qatar where he took out both of the team cars and Russell just having a bit of an inconsistent one and yet reliability didn't really help him either. Moving it on then, um, one of the big highlights of the year for me was seeing the reemergence of McLaren and there's no secret that I'm a big McLaren fan I have been for many many years now dating back to the 2000s and you know going through the whole slump that happened after 2013 and in the Honda years as well that were quite dismal but for them to actually re-emerge as a as a front-running contender um the meteoric rise I say of Aston Martin as well they were seventh last year uh was quite entertaining and for many of us to be talking about Aston Martin and Fernando Alonso as potentials for winning races this year it was like oh my goodness you know monaco that could be we could have alonso winning his first race in in 10 years and yes it goes back to 2013 when he last won a grand prix um it didn't come to fruition unfortunately and that's due to you know multitude of factors a being that red bull and verstappen were too good but also i guess they lacked in some parts as well and you look at the strategy in in monaco when the wet tires the, the change between the wet and the intermediate tires as well kind of affecting them and them getting caught out by that um and then it, things just kind of fell away for them really like they made a misstep in their development through the middle of the season and they kind of slumped while mclaren were on the rise and mclaren started the season poorly they you know couldn't make it out of q1 neither car in bahrain they had a double dnf um and somehow they you know even though they were forecast to have one of the slowest cars on the grid until baku when they got some upgrades they made it to baku with some points off the back of you know a chaotic race in melbourne which you know won't go too much detail in but if you want to go back and listen to that um show if you want to hear more me about that and my immediate reaction to all the shenanigans with race control and the FIA um but yeah they made it through that period where they didn't have the development on their car to Austria when they did uh get their first big upgrade and that was on Lando Norris's side he finished fourth and then second second seventh seventh eighth second second third second um in Texas and then fifth, second in Brazil, Um, and then yeah, retirement in Vegas, that big crash that he had, and finishing fifth in Abu Dhabi. That is what you call meteoric as well. And seven podiums for him, his best tally, his best um, points haul in F1 since he came in, and he missed out on fourth, which would have been great for him. Um, in terms of a best season finish he missed out on fourth by a point to you know it was tied between Alonso and Leclerc and Alonso had it on count back of um, podium scored over Leclerc so great great season for him I guess it's gonna be interesting seeing the dynamic between him and Oscar Piastri as well because Piastri for me this season was a real standout of a rookie if you know there's a whole debate that you can have about rookies in terms of you know you've got to give them time to settle in this and that I mean yes Oscar did have his moments where we saw more of the rookie and he was very green he's still lacking in race pace compared to Norris which he's himself has admitted but then we've got some really mature You know, drives out of him some real mature results. You look back to Silverstone, where he would have been on for a podium if it wasn't for that safety car coming out and giving everyone a a cheap pit stop and ultimately putting Hamilton on the podium ahead of him. Uh, in Belgium as well, at Spa, the sprint race, he was, you know, fighting like crazy with Verstappen and could have had the win there, but finished second, and then, um. Qatar Qatar where he was second to Verstappen in the race and won the sprint I mean wow you know the fact that Oscars won something before Lando has in F1 is is crazy and you know there have been times this season where you know Lando's seemed a bit more kind of put under pressure by oscar oscar seems very unflappable very cool very calm so it's going to be an interesting dynamic when they do have a car that's capable of winning races let alone fighting for a world championship um and yeah like what does what does lando make of the fact that now oscar has the uh, the longer contract than he does too with the with the deal taking him through to, I think, 2026 20, or 2027, 20, I don't know now, but, um, yeah, you know, because there was a lot of conjecture around whether Norris would go off to Red Bull or something like that, he could be potentially being courted by Ferrari, if, if that's, that rumor's to be believed, as well as a replacement for Carlos Sainz, who knows, but, It was a real tale of contrasting fortunes for both McLaren and Aston Martin at the end of the day McLaren did beat them I guess Aston had the crux or the thorn in their side that was Lance Stroll unfortunately and it's not with great pleasure that I take um, in sort of berating the poor guy but the fact that, you know, he was comprehensively outscored by his teammate. Two hundred and six points to seventy-four. You know, Alonso scored, what, seven podiums as well, or six podiums I should say. He's forty-two years old. I mean, something's gotta give with with Lance. And yes, you know, he had the preseason injury to his hands but he was arguably driving better than he did throughout the rest of the year when he was injured so you know cue the the joke that you know some people have made about whether he needs to permanently drive with broken hands but that's not something we want to see um, so let's not go down there but he did finish the season off with a pair of fifths in uh, Brazil and in Vegas so who knows but the fact that yeah he couldn't even get on a podium um, just was quite disappointing given how... Rate the car was for most of the season the AMR twenty two and then yeah lots of rumours as well around whether Lawrence Stroll will stay in F one or is he looking to sell the team etc so we'll just have to wait and see how that pans out um, for Alpine <laughs> Alpine I've, I've you know I don't enjoy or I don't take great pleasure in roasting. Um, roasting teams and drivers and, and whatnot, unless it's Nikita Mazpin, of course, everyone um, takes great pleasure in roasting him, but Alpine, you know, this is once a team that I was a big fan of, um, back in their Lotus F1 days, you know, with Kimi Räikkönen and Roman Grosjean, you know, they were the cool team on the grid, you know, they were the underdogs they were taking it to, um, the likes of Red Bull and Ferrari back then, and McLaren as well, but here we are, they're a laughing stock, honestly. Like, even though they finished sixth in the Constructors this year, they had a couple of podiums, including that special podium for Esteban Ocon in Monaco, um, and Gasly getting a podium in Zandvoort, too, in a tricky race that that was. Their whole season has been kind of characterized by. Political infighting, the revolving doors with, you know, the likes of Omar Zafnauer, Alan Permain, Pat Fry, and even Laurent Rossi, who gave the public pastings of all public pastings to the team, um, all dismissed. And for me, what kind of is significant is you take Omar's pre season quote of, Um, setting the objective for this year is to finish closer in the championship to the top three than to what's behind us not only did they drop from fourth in the championship they finished sixth and also with half the points or more than half the points um, or less than half the points oh there was more than half the points gap to Aston Martin in fifth. Sorry, I'm not good with maths, as we all know. Um, So they had a greater gap than what they would have wanted, you know, they had a greater gap in arrears than what they originally set out to do, and that's what I think is really disappointing for them, let alone, you know, talking about how both their drivers like, crashing into each other and all that sort of jazz. It's, yeah, I don't think investment from Hollywood celebrities and and sports celebrities are going to really do anything for this team until they can get you know some some strong management in place and um, not be throwing people under the bus. And it's a completely different story at Williams because by contrast. Their leadership style under James Vowles, I mean, I've said, or said it already at some point this season, I would, if I ever get a um, biography written, I would love for the man to one be the one who do the, does the audiobook, he would definitely do a better job than I would as I'm talking to you now, but James Vowles, you know, I think he's injected Williams with a touch of that class and... Um, excellence that he had under Toto Wolff at Mercedes he's got the responsibility to revive this famous team Uh, uh, the culture is hopefully going to be a more positive one one where there's more accountability as well which is something that apparently when he walked into Williams you know there was a lot of blame and finger pointing going on and no one really being accountable for their actions and you know while he's busy doing that you've got the heroics of Alex Albon on track who you know almost single-handedly took the team from finishing last you know bottom of the table last year to seventh and you know how many millions of or tens of millions of dollars in prize money is that I mean yes Logan Sargent did score a point this year as well at one of his many home races and that was thanks to the double disqualification to Hamilton and Leclerc But at the end of the day, he did ultimately fare better than his AlphaTauri counterpart, Nick (laughs) DeVries, and we've talked about Nick DeVries and that situation at Nauseam this season, but I feel like you know Williams is a positive place to be at the moment, and Albon, his stocks have really gone through the roof this year as well, whether he'd be sounded out for a um, drive with the top team in the future, or does he stay loyal to Williams and go along for the ride I mean it's not going to be a quick turnaround for them to get back to even where they were maybe five years ago six years ago um, under the Martini sponsorship and still under the the Williams family at the time but you know Albin is really showing a mature side and a you know, very strong side um in terms of his racecraft under the leadership of Vows there and um Sargent ultimately getting a second season as well, I think, you know, he seemed pretty undercooked, I'd gotta say, for F1 this year, but, you know, maybe it'll be a case of Nicholas Latifi, the GOAT, as it were, as he was, you know, when he came in to in twenty twenty and him getting a second season and then ultimately third season as well so you know is there other candidates out there that are really crying out for that seat i mean yes there are but um that's a whole nother topic for another time um and yeah by comparison to to De Vries, who coming in with the accolades of being an f2 champion and the reigning formula e champion 10 races yes it's not enough time and yes the dismissal was brutal but he just couldn't cut the mustard and the fact that you know Yuki Tsunoda who many still seemed unconvinced about you know really seemed more convincing than De Vries is like well it makes a bit of a mockery of the junior system and maybe even Formula E to be honest because you know if someone like De Vries who let's be honest you know did I guess you know, I don't want to say his CV's a bit embellished, or, or buffed up, because of, you know, the, the lack of competition in the categories that he had, um, I think it's more that, you know, Sunoda did a better job, and really outdrove this terrible car that the Alpha Tauri was in this first part of the season, to the point where, when they did ultimately bring in the, the hand-me-down parts from Red Bull later in the season, the, the legal... I must say quote-unquote legal hand-me-down paths because you know they can't fully just out and out copy um another team's car even if it's an affiliate team because uh, yeah we've got the whole pink Mercedes thing from a few years ago um regardless of that I think Tsunoda had a fine fine season and it all come down to as well for me that last-ditch effort in Abu Dhabi to overhaul Williams and he would have done it too um if he could pull off that one-stop strategy and that didn't work ultimately and what kind of what kind of then also justifies the De Vries decision as well is the fact that Ricardo comes back and yes he missed five events with the broken wrists and whatnot um Mexico seventh, and he qualified fourth. That was an excellent run. Liam Lawson, who only in his third race in an F1 car, you know, being parachuted in halfway through the weekend in in Zandvoort, um, in his third race in Singapore scores points. One of the most grueling races of the year, and I know that in Qatar, ultimately it was one of the worst races he would have done. You know, one of the most challenging as well, conditions wise. Um, but yeah, they they both really proved that you know DeFries wasn't the right driver to pick, and I really hope that Lawson gets a gig in the future as well. And who knows what will happen next year? If you know there are mechanisms to to give Perez the boot if he's not doing well, and put Ricardo there and put um Lawson into the AlphaTauri, I certainly hope that for twenty twenty five that Lawson will be on the grid full time. And then you've got the last two teams, which honestly, it feels like they had quite anonymous seasons. I mean, Alpha Romeo more so than Haas, because Alfa Romeo, they were slow, they really didn't have speed, except for in Hungary, you know, in qualifying they did alright, and Bottas in Vegas could have potentially done alright as well if it wasn't for that first corner um, Alonso incident, but you know, they were kind of spared the insult of finishing last, um, and were consistent enough to avoid the wooden spoon, because Haas, who, you know, regardless of dumping Mick Schumacher, thinking that, oh, you know, if we have two experienced drivers that will have the consistency to score points, you know, they'll be better in the races for us. That didn't happen, and yes, Nico Hulkenberg was impressive this year, especially after a couple of years more than a couple of years on the sidelines he hasn't driven full-time in f1 since 2019 um he scored one points finish in a grand prix all season that was seventh in australia in melbourne that crazy race he qualified in the top 10 so ma- so many times and he also had sixth in the sprint in austria but again it's that Issue of tire management, which goes back to the pre Ground Effect days as well. It's a problem that they've had with that car for for Yonks. And the fact that, you know, they can't really develop their car through a season as well is is really, really I think it's it should be something that really wears thin on on people. And unfortunately Kevin Magnusson, even though he did find himself in the top ten in the Grand Prix. A few more times than Hulkenberg did you know it was only 10th on on three occasions and he seemingly was comprehensively beaten by Hulkenberg I don't think it's the drivers that are the problem it's the car you know so you know spare a thought for Schumacher in this respect but what do you do like I'm at that point where I think I said this on the last show as well that there's going to be more value you know commercially and for you know america because you know everyone loves america and f1 loves america at the moment i feel like there'll be more value for f1 um in america to have what do you call it andretti on the grid as opposed to Haas. you know andretti want to bring in a manufacturing gm and gm are gonna build A a power unit as well later on down the track, and they're going to make their own car and everything. It's a whole different ballpark to what the Haas model is, and Haas just seem like they're not really going to budge from that, and they're just going to happy to make up the numbers, you know. And then when it comes to the next Concord agreement um, negotiation, and that'll be ahead of twenty twenty six as well, um, you know, it's just about making a buck, which, you know, they can profit ultimately at the end of the day in F1 these days, but what's the worth when, you know, you're not doing anything um, in terms of results or, you know, fans? I'm sure whatever fans they had are probably sick of watching them lose all the time, so... You know that's what I have to say about Haas and yeah for Romeo really they're just the the customary grid talk line of they're just waiting for the Audi money let's just leave it at that so yeah um that's that's kind of a wrap on, on on all the teams and stuff and the drivers for this year other highlights I've got to say um for me I was really surprised with Vegas and pleasantly surprised really and I wrote about it for F1 Chronicle Please be sure to read that article. Um, and talked about it on the the Fear and Loathing episode too. That you know, while they had the blemishes of the off track stuff on the Thursday night practice, I think the delivery of a a great race on on the Saturday there made all the bad press kind of go away you know and hopefully because this is locked in for the next 10 years that it's an event that only gets better and better and hopefully they can make it a bit more accessible too because i feel like not being able to have better ticket prices or more accessible ticket prices from an earlier uh, time probably hurt the reputation of the event and you know one thing that they have that miami doesn't is the fact that the track produced great racing. And I don't think Miami's ever going to, you know, give us a good race unless there's some kind of chaotic weather or, um, you know, something crazy happens and we don't have, uh, what do you call it, um, Red Bull winning all the time. but And they've just announced that the sprint calendar as well for 24 and the fact that Miami's going to be on there. Ugh, don't know how that's going to go either. Um, and that's a whole other uh, kettle of fish to fry is the fact that, you know, we've got six sprints again, but then you've got two back-to-back with China and Miami, and then you've got three all crammed into the second half of the season um, with Texas, Brazil, and Qatar. So, you know, they've got to find the balance, I feel. Like they're better to be spread out and hopefully they do make some changes to the format to bring qualifying for the grand prix back to Saturday afternoon and you know have the sprint you know earlier in the day like you know an F2 schedule for example so you know that's that's one of those sore points that I've got this whole thing about the FIA as well I mean, where do you go into that? The FIA investigating um, the Wolves. (laughs) It's a bit of a shambles, really. It is a bit of a shambles and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if after all these years and all these threats of F1 having their own breakaway that they finally did it because they're sick of someone meddling in their affairs and ultimately it's not something that the FIA need to really poke their head into. I mean nothing's been done here at the end of the day, so anyway. With that as well, um and this is where it truly gets a bit off the <laughs> off the script, um, is the end of this podcast or the show, um, this season review, but also the end of the um podcast as well, I'm afraid. Well, not afraid because you know it's a it's my decision ultimately to uh, take a break from from this, from hit the apex and doing this solo show, which I have been doing for the last um, five seasons now, I believe, since twenty nineteen. Um, and, you know, the show goes back to 2015, um, back then when it was a group effort and, you know, people actually cared about it, um, you know, which I have, you know, carried on the torch as, as long as I have now. But, you know, I think the time is right to to call it an end, um, you know, things in life sort of change and evolve and, you know, there's new responsibilities and new things that you want to do, um, and explore, and I really want to kind of go back to focusing on my writing and, and live blogging next year, and, you know, doing shows with, with the Talk team who've been fabulous as well, and in having me on as a guest, and, and I want to continue doing that next year, but, yeah, I feel like, it is it is the right time for me to kind of stop um it's definitely different to to when i started and and whatnot and you know i always said that if i ever stop enjoying this is when i will stop altogether this is not going at all as how it sounded in my head beforehand um but yeah you know things have happened you know the last sort of 18 months 18 to 24 months um and you kind of take stock of what's more important and at the end of the day I'm just a big racing fan a big F1 fan like most others I might not be as obsessive about it as as some are these days um because there are more important things out there in life and you know friends family you know those relationships and connections they mean a lot more to me than you know getting overly obsessive and critical about, um, watching 20 drivers go around the track and analyzing all that. And, you know, to that point too, I want to say a big thank you to a few people who've been a part of this journey, who I am very privileged to call good friends as well now, um, outside the show. And if it wasn't for the show, um, we wouldn't be, you know in touch and friends so you know to to people like uh dean from the region racing podcast you know thank you so much for your support over the years and and you know finally getting to meet you in person as well recently um so lovely and you know the fact that you've always been a supporter of this show and i always supported your shows we had some great um times when we guested as well um, with chris as well it was great fun. You know, I'm always going to have those fond memories. Um, if you're ever doing another, another podcast, you know who to ask to, to come on and guest for you. I would have always loved to. Um, yeah, Josh as well, who's been on the show a few times. You know, great to have you as always. And, you know, you're. Friendship outside the show, too, has been quite important, um, guys like Steve from Formula Shakedown, too, uh, I've had George from, from Grid Talk, one of the lovely many hosts of Grid Talk, George, he was a great guest, too, and, you know, just, just everyone, you know, who everyone who's listened. To the show over the years, it really means a lot. I've not had the biggest audience in the world, and that's not been my main motivation for making this. It's been purely about just, you know, bringing my thoughts and sharing them with you. it's In more recent years, it's been more about a therapeutic experience for me to sit down and, and talk F1, talk supercars, any of the other racing categories that I've talked about over time. Um will I miss it probably maybe but at the end it's it's okay you know I'm not going to be like David Tennant and cling to cling to this forever you know and say the old line I don't want to go well you know I think um sitting down and having having a family lunch or whatever with with your with your fam is more important than you know, doing what what the new doctor is up to if we want to use that as a reference. Um, sometimes you just have to, to take a break and not that I'm I'm not gonna be watching the new doctor who I think it'll be really exciting with Judy Gatwa as the as the fifteenth Doctor. Now I've really gone off cuff there and that's something that I'm very, very um attributed to doing. But no, it's it's been a great journey and I feel like, yeah, the, the time has come. And, thank you very much for listening to this show, thank you very much for listening to all my shows, you know, they're all still going to be available, so, you know, if you if you miss me enough, you can go back and listen to some oldies, um, there's some goodies in there too, and, who knows, maybe one day I'll decide to revive it, or do something different as well, um, but yeah, for now I think, yeah, leaving it at this, it's been a great year for, for F1, um, even though if one person has won it all, doesn't make a big deal to me, I've been watching the sport for, you know, such a long time now that we've been through so many periods of dominance and periods where your team doesn't win or your driver doesn't win, but you still love the sport for what it is and I'm always going to love it and, you know, all forms of racing, no matter what, so I think that's the more important thing, and also just to, to be kind, you know, be, just be kind, you know, that's all we can say in this day and age of social media and, and digital, the digital world and everything, so thank you very much everyone, Uh, take care. And, you know, if you want to follow me on socials, I'll put all the links in there. You'll know where to find me. Until next time, thanks very much and see you all.